Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the LATAM Stocks Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Flood. Today, I'm speaking with Gabriel Boench. Gabriel is an equity research analyst at Varos in Brazil, where he specializes in agriculture-related investments. Today, we're going to go over Brazil's agro industry, and then we're going to focus on two specific companies and industries. First, we're going to talk about paper and cellulose and Brazil's giant company in that industry, Suzano. And then we're going to talk about the beef industry and Minerva Foods and uh, a major acquisition that happened mid last year. So we've got a ton of ground to cover and only an hour to do it. So let's get right into it. Hi, Gabriel. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks. It's a great pleasure to talk to you and your audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited to talk to you. I'm fascinated by the industry niches you cover in, in agro and the agro equity. So I think we have a lot to talk about. But before we get into it, tell me a little more about you. Where are you from? What did you study? How did you end up doing equity research at Varos? Okay, okay. First of all, I'm here now speaking from Rio. And I was born in Rio, but my whole life, and I grew up in Brasilia, that is the capital of Brazil. I graduated in business administration, uh, here we only say administration, uh, from University of Brasilia, that is our federal institute. Each state has its own federal institutes, like the, the best universities. They are public, of course. Despite having studied administration, I did many researches in agribusiness due to the fact that Brasilia in Cerrado, all the region, all Middle West in Brasilia, Middle East in Brasilia, Middle West, the Cerrado, that is the Brazilian savanna. So we do a lot of grains major grains uh, in the region, right? Like soybeans and corn. So I did a lot of uh, projects and research uh, focusing on agribusiness. And I mean, it's a great sector, right? This is the Brazil's strength. So, but at the same time, I love the financial market. <laughs> I love the stock exchanges. I, I love equity. So I studied both. So when I graduated in 2020, I think 2020, I decided to produce some content about it because we can see that there is not many analysts talking about Brazilian agribusiness, specifically about the companies that are in B3, that is our stock exchange. So I started to do some content on Twitter, of course, now X, and... It was good. So I've been working in banks. I'm working on Santander. I'm working on some fintech. I love the venture capital, <laughs> the venture capital craziness, right? So, but uh, after a while, uh, doing some content on Twitter, the people from Varus called me and say, hey, do you want to be <laughs> some analyst here? I said, okay. So two years ago, I moved back to Rio. But now the city of Rio, uh, I mean, the city of Niterói is mm -hmm. neighbor. A, a neighbor city. It's really, really close. And now I'm here. I'm my focus are is not on the commodities. Okay. I focus mm -hmm. on the companies. But all my companies they produce and they sell the commodities. So I have to understand, I have to know about the commodities. But if you ask me, how's the soybean price today on Chicago? I can tell you. But I have to understand our business. Uh, okay, and I have to understand these dynamics. So, pooping paper, meat, soybeans, corn, I have to know it all. So, there's a lot of things to, to know once a time. So, I focus on the companies. I'm here now in, in Varos. In Brazil, we call analysis houses, but it's uh, basically we are research. So, 
we study our focus is on the companies that are listed on the Brazilian stock exchange, the B3. So each analyst covered a specific sector. Like I am cover agribusiness, the other cover industry, uh, energy. So we have a lot of specialists here in Varus. And our biggest difference here is like we go really deep on our analysis. So as I showed you one of my reports, we have 50, 60, 70 pages long, our reports. And we also do a short documentary about the report. So our subscribers have the option. You can watch or you can read. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of Netflix. (laughs) So it's really easy to our subscribers, right? So I love working here. We have really a long time to study, but we are now like more commercial. So our reports are shorter and 50 page long is shorter than, (laughs) than the past. But we are more commercial. So now we, as we do some recommendations to major buy, we we do not uh, say sell something. So we only do the recommendations based on our analysis. So we are more slower than the others research because we do more perfectly. We like to understand the whole business before say you can buy or you can sell. So we have and we can say that we got a lot of security on our target prices, for example. So when I say I study, I cover some agribusiness companies, I mean I know everything about them. <laughs> so I have this security to talk about the companies, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. your analysis was very in-depth. The one you sent me on Susano, I really enjoyed it, the PowerPoint. Uh-huh. And I think I agree with your point about agro business in Brazil being underfollowed. I think it's underfollowed in general. And then even the analysts that do follow it tend to follow more commodity prices than they do the actual stocks. And there's a ton of great businesses listed in Brazil that are agriculture businesses that seem underfollowed for how important Brazil is as an agro market. Yeah, we have this recent example. One of my favorite companies that is SLC, SLC, they are the biggest land explorers in Brazil. They have like 600,000 hectares in uh, producing major uh, mostly soybeans. So they are the biggest group in Brazil and because we are on El Nino right now, we are like in the bottom of the cycle. So mm-hmm. the prices are really low. And I know, I know because I, I studied. And when I do my projections, we do the DCF in our projections. We project 10 years ahead. So anything that happens now can be mostly a noise. Unless, of course, they're going to change the thesis, which is not the case. So El Nino, for example, it's kind of noise because... When I do our mean, I project by the productivity of the land, by the mean, the historical mean. So it's already in my price, the mm. the best of news. So I have this security on my price. And I was like, okay, it's really cheap, but the market is not seen. So recently, other families, uh, in, in Agro in Brazil, we have this family business. 
other family that produced uh, the Explorer Landis, the Sheffer family, they bought 5% of SLC, 450 million reais. This is 5% only of the company. Mm -hmm. And they say nobody was expecting that. And when they ask the family, they say it's really low. It's really cheap, the price. So, and now is the cheapest way to buy lands in Brazil is buying SLC stocks. They, they yeah. say that they, they explore lands too. They are on the one of the biggest, the top three. Yeah. So as you see, the markets, are they like to trade the present, the moment. Mm -hmm. They are not so secure about the prices when you cover it. Because, yeah, okay, the commodity market is a crazy, uh, it's craziness. Change, we have a lot of volatility. But when we see 10 years ahead, it's a business that lasts. The algo in Brazil lasts. We are since the 70s doing this and improving our land and our productivity. So we have this example and pulp and paper and beef. So this really strength and we do not have many analysts covering this. So it's a challenge and a pleasure to me to do so, it. So I have an analyst question for you then. You mentioned that you do your projections out for 10 years for your discounted yeah. cash flows. But I noticed it in your Susano write-up that you do eight years because yeah. it's the eucalyptus cycle. So when you do commodities investments and you do a discounted cash flow, do you always try and match the duration of the projection to the full cycle? So are you trying to project for a full commodity cycle? Is that why you do eight years or is it the crop cycle? Because eucalyptus is, is eight years. Yeah, we try to do each channel is different from each other. So when we say the poop and paper, for example, we can be, they have little volatility in their commodity and their stock price. So we can follow this cycle. So for example, Susano, it's only eucalyptus. So we can project this. Full eucalyptus cycle is seven years. So I project eight, that one cycle plus one year plus the less. So we can do it on Susano. But like Minerva, I forgot, but I think I projected 10 years. It's a great time because we can take the ups and downs of the cycle. But... The trees last long, right? right. So eucalyptus last seven years, but pinos, the pinos last 15 in Brazil. In Europe, it's 20. So we try to match those cycles with our projection. It's like uh, we here in Vales, we are huge fans of Damodaran. So we say the narrative and numbers, right? Mm -hmm. We match our numbers with the narrative. So I'm not trying to match the cycle but if it has only this cycle, we can match. Like for crop, for SLC, for example. We have harvests every year. And every harvest, we can have one or two or three crops. Uh, two crops in one year. So I project 10 years for now because you can take the great times, like La Nina in Cerrado, because the weather is good. And we take the bad weather, like El Nino, that, like we are living right now. So each case is special, right? So this is the analyst's job to try to balance all of this in a price and projection that makes sense. Awesome. So let's move in then to the company and industry specific stuff. Let's talk about Open Paper and Susano. So you had a great thread on Twitter about the history of Susano. It's a very historic company. It's over 110 years old now. Still yeah. the same family is involved, which is unique and interesting in its own right. So tell me about Brazil's pulp and paper industry. And yeah, I guess Susano is 
a huge part of the history of the industry and still is the largest player. So tell me about the industry in Susana. Okay. For poop and paper, in Brazil, we have two specific cases. First, Suzano is the biggest and, for me, is the most important company in the world from Eucalypto. Because what happened in the past? They kind of invented the, the pulp from the eucalyptus. Yeah, in 1951. So... In the old times, we used to produce paper by the pinus uh, wood. So pinus is a European tree. And as I said, we need to take 20, 30 years to, to cure the pinus once planted. So it's really long. And Brazil, at the time, need to import this. So Leon Pfeffer that is the, the founder in 1920s, the, he saw it. He, this is a problem that you have to import all of your material. So he asked it to his son to look for a new source. So they, like a scientific team, and it's kind of funny because Max, that is Leon's son, was a student at Juilliard in New York. So he did nothing about trees Not and stuff. He, he was a musician. <laughs> But he led this technical team, and they found out that eucalyptus was the best choice. So they are the pioneers in this. And the first one in the world to produce uh, cellulose uh, from eucalyptus. And eucalyptus is really, really fast. It took like seven to eight years in Brazil to grow up, and you can cut and make the pulp. So Suzanne invented that, basically made the industry to prove their point because a brand new material, no one tends to believe, right? So they basically invented the industry to, to prove their point. And now they were right because they are the biggest in the world. I got the stats, the data. They produced 10.9 millions of tons of cellulose last year. The second place was Domtar. They produced 5.6 millions of tons in, in the world. this is globally or this is the global companies? So the global, global players. Global last year, Susanna produced 10.9 millions of tons of pulp. And the second place produced only 5.6. So it's almost the double of the production. So Susanna is a huge, huge, huge Basically, monster of cellulosis. Basically, they produce the short fiber. We have two types of fibers in cellulosis, the cellulosis market, the long and the short. The long you use pinus, the short you use eucalyptus. You can make a lot of products, sub-products with there. But the Susano major focus is on pool. So they are the biggest, and this is the biggest revenue from Susano. And Susano and Brazil's pulp and paper industry is a huge exporter, correct? So yeah. in fact, a large portion, the majority of Susano's revenue comes from outside of Brazil. So yep. can you talk about then the Brazilian industry, how important it is as an export for Brazil pulp and paper? And then where is Brazil selling all this pulp and paper? Okay. So I got the data just to, to shock the audience. Nah, we love uh, the data. Yeah. Suzano has planted forests in 11 different states in Brazil. Yeah. If we add all the areas, they had 2.7 million hectares of land 
which 1.4 is only eucalyptus and 1.1 is to environmental preservation. That is the law in Brazil. You cannot explore all of land. You have to basically cut the half and the half is for environmental preservation. Mm. The other half is to produce. This is law in Brazil. Uh, if, if you disobey the law, it's a really big problem. Okay. So, okay. If we took this 1.4 million of hectares, this is something like 17 times the area of the New York, the city of New York. And so, that's just what Susano has planted. Yeah. And just eucalyptus. So you can imagine New York, 17 times bigger and only trees. That now, is what Susano has. Do they own the land or do they lease the land typically? They own some part. The most part are owned, but some specific areas they have to lease. But the major own. But if they lease, they have this partnership with the local producers to, to treat the lands for them so they can explore better. So this is kind of problem right now because the two Brazilian biggest companies are Suzano and Clabin. They both finished, actually, Clabin finished the biggest mills in October. That is Projeto Puma, Puma Project 2, in Ortigueira, state of Paraná. And Suzano are finishing the mill, the Cerrado Project, in Ribas do Rio Prado, that is Mato Grosso do Sul State. So those are the two biggest pulp and paper mills in the world. And they like finish almost at the same time. This is another finishing right now. And Clabin already finished it. So they are so big that we do not, they specifically, they do not have wood enough to hmm. produce pulp and paper. So they, they <laughs> so, overbuilt the capacity because yeah. they're projecting future growth, basically. Yeah. And like we have exactly amount to amount to both mills. So if they try to build a new one, they won't have enough wood. So uh, because of that, uh, Susanna Klabi also bought a lot of land recently. I do not have the size of land, but they spent 1.2 billion reais in land, in forests mm -hmm. that already are grown to attend the, the production. So we have the two biggest mills in the world. We have the biggest company in the world. And it's a short volatility commodity, the short fiber, okay? Mm. That the name is BHKP. I, I, I always forget this. BH or BKHKP. Do you, do you know how much it costs to build these new mills? I think it's really important to mention that not only are these uh, the two biggest mills in the world, they're modern, right? They're brand new. Yeah. What kind of investment I've, did did Susano make? I think what was the I have on my notes. I think I have on my notes on my reports. Just a minute. <laughs> but they like I think they spent dozens of billions of reais. Okay. Yeah, of course. Okay, they took yeah, it's around five and six billion reais. Okay, so they, one one to one point two billion U.S. dollars. More yeah, less. and less years. Yeah, only less years, which is a huge investment, yeah. right? So, like Susanna, last year, for example, they bought the Kimberly Clark's uh, tissue paper mm. uh, business in Brazil for one hundred seventy-five million dollars. Yeah. So 
they have this lot of money and they are buying everything <laughs> basically, but only at the short fiber, okay? Because Clabin's main business is with long fiber. Susano only works with the short fiber. The sub products are really different because with short fiber, we do mostly tissue paper. There's like paper toilet. <laughs> to resume, is basically paper toilet. With long fiber, you can do the package boxes mm. uh, with paper. So they're really different and different markets. Of course, Susano also do the, the paper stuff, but the main, of course, is pulp. So it's a really, really big business in Brazil. The revenue last year, I think I got it here. The net revenue in 2022 is 49.8 billion reais. So it's like $10 billion for red, net revenue. So it's really, really big. And most of it, uh, again, is coming from the pulp business. Yeah, to give listeners an idea, the market cap of Suzano is about 65 billion reais, which is roughly 12, 13 billion US dollars. So it is a big company and the market values it highly. So I yeah. want to ask you one of the things that, that really stood out in the thing. You had a slide where you outlined the three competitive advantages for Suzano. And I think those apply to Brazilian pulp and paper in general, but you tell me. You said Susano's three competitive advantages are high productivity, proximity to the forests, and energy autosufficiency at its factories. So can we maybe take those one by one? Why is Susano more productive than other pulp and paper manufacturers globally? Okay. First, they are really scientific company. We can say that. So, as I say, they invented this business, this eucalyptus business, and each year they try to improve the seeds of the trees. So they have huge labs only to work on it. So mm. they do really good genetic improvement on their seeds. And so you can gain a lot of productivity and efficient on it. So this is the first point and one of the biggest highlights. Because I didn't say the, the new type of products and science they are doing, because they're like more in tests. Yeah, they are on the test stages, but the genetical improvement reality in Susano. So they have great job. The proximity of the mules is like when you cut a tree, you put them on the truck and you have to take the truck to the factory. So if your factory is near your costs are lower because we can just imagine we you have to pay the fuel of the truck you have to pay the employees of the truck so when your meal is is closed to the forest your costs are can be lower so Susano we say in this market the radius right the radius of the meal and Susano I think the radius is I have 202 kilometers. So the average radius, of course. So if we, uh, and 203 kilometers is really, it's really close because we were speaking about 1.5 million of hectares. It's a, few hours, so, it's a few hours drive maximum. Yeah, exactly. So if they are so close, you can reduce this cost, major with fuel and the trucks. We call this in Portuguese, the transborder costs. 
So this is other advantage that Suzano has. And the third, I forgot what, what you say. Energy autosufficiency at its factories, yeah. which was the most interesting of the three, honestly, to me. That one really stood out. So tell me what you mean by that. How are their factories autosufficient in energy? Actually, this is kind of Brazil stuff, okay? Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah that's why. We love, uh, and not even in paper, paper, but basically in sugarcane business is mm. really common. When you produce the pulp, you have the rest that you do not use. Mm. We call this the black liquor in English, the, the full, the direct translate. It's like a liquid that smells bad and in old times you just waste, you just yeah. throw away. Nowadays, we burn this liquid and because this liquid is major pulp that you did not use there are the components of the tree like lignin so you can burn it and make thermical energy so with the hot air so you, you use this heat energy with the waste of the tree and i say that this is a brazilian stuff because anything we do here in brazil that we produce we try to take the waste and or uh, throw back in the crop because we will fertilize the land or we burn to do some heat energy. So in Brazil, we have this and Suzano also have this. So imagine they produce 10.9 millions of tons of pulp. So imagine the waste of this. So they mm. took this waste and produce energy. So it's a really sustainable company. And this is a really good uh, difference that Suzano and the Brazilian companies has, unlike the rest of the world. Yeah, it's really common in ways. That's why that one stood out, because I think for an international audience, most people don't realize how renewable Brazil's energy grid is in general. And then yeah. you see headlines like what's going on in, in Germany, for example, with the oil price rises. And they're saying it's deindustrializing because you know, a 10%, 20% up move in electricity costs, suddenly their factories aren't viable. And in Brazil, you can see, you know, how important energy costs are when you look at a company like Suzano, that's auto-sufficient and, you know, slowly and steadily at the global powerhouse, right? Yeah. And actually, we have a fun fact in Brazil, because if your meal produce more energy than you uses. So you have the surplus of energy. Yep. You can sell back to the to government. Yeah, you sell it back yep. to the grid. Yeah, yeah. So is Susanna's energy cost at its factory zero? Or do they have some, but it's low and predictable, I guess? Or are they yep. 100% autosufficient? Like they actually spend zero on energy. Uh, they say they are. They did okay. not open those numbers, but I believe they are. Close, the, close the main costs. Yeah, the main costs are the meals like other stuff like materials and employees. As the, the classic SGNA. <laughs> so interesting. So then let's get back. I'll ask you again about the exports. So like what are the, the major export destinations for Susano's products? And then what are the finished products? Is it just toilet paper that they export or do they export raw material as well? The major destination are obviously China. Okay. Mm -hmm. They do some export on Europe, but we have to think. So they do not buy this big amount and each year they are decreasing the amount of they are buying. So China, in other way, each year they increase the buyings. So the main destination of Zano's production, mostly pulp, is in China. 
China has a lot of paper companies. So it's really normal and logical that they buy really much pulp and not a big amount of paper. Actually, for Susano, the paper business is more local. They mostly sell the paper that is the toilet paper, mostly, and the, the writing paper. We call it writing paper. And we have some of the top of mind brands in Susano. So when you go to the supermarket in general and you have to buy some paper from, to your office or toilet paper to your house, is we have a lot of chance the probability are high to you're buying a Susano product. Yep. So this paper business is most Brazil and the Pope is most for export, mostly to China. And actually, Susano, one of the few ports that is specific for the Pulp business. Because we know the part, you can trade a lot of stuff, a lot of products and commodities. So the one of the fewest ports in Brazil that is called Porto Cell, which is located in Espírito Santo State, uh, from only Pope, Suzano owns it. So it's it's other difference, other com, uh, competition advantage that Suzano has. Yeah, I think so. Now we've covered, I think it's important to point out now yeah. that it's a fully vertically integrated company, correct? So we've talked yeah. about their farms. They grow the trees. They even do research and development for the seeds at their farms. They just built the largest mill in the world. And then they have consumer brands that are top of mind that you can find at major retail outlets in Brazil. So they're fully vertically integrated, correct? Yep, correct. And this is really good because this is a champion. They are champion business. We like to call here each sector has its own champions. The most succeeded, the biggest in companies. And I really believe that Suzano is the champion in Brazilian market, that poop and paper. They do the sellings, they do the productions, they do everything. They cannot do, they just buy. They, just buy. they, <laughs> they open it. Yeah. So it's really interesting. It's a really big deal in Brazil. But they are so big that they move slower, mm. even the business and even in the stock price. If you look and Google or calculate yourself, the beta of the stock, they it's like 0 0.3, 0 0.2, 0 0.4. So even the stock price moves slowly. Because, you know, they are really mature business. So it's not a, a company that you buy to, oh, my God, I, I'm going to hit 100% return in, in a long term, of course. But in stock that you buy and you hold from, you can hold your all life long. Well, well, that brings me to my next question, right? It is a generational company, right? 110 mm -hmm. years. And the, the founding family is still very much involved. So the last name of the current CEO is Pfeffer, right? The same family, same last name. Not the CEO. Chairman the, the yeah. The chairman. Okay. So the, the family still owns it. But but nonetheless, how do you view management and their, their corporate structure being such a historic company with the founding family still involved? I think here in Brazil, we have these market sections of governance. So in Brazilian stock exchange, we call new market or novo mercado that the companies with the biggest levels, you have some criteria to, to achieve to enter this group. 
and Susano is one of those companies. Unlike Clabin, for example, they are not in this section and they are not trying to enter. The companies decide which section they want to be in, like which corporate governance yeah. model they want to follow. So they have options yeah. for how they you, report. Yeah, you have the highest model. You just have to follow. And Susano mm-hmm. did this follow. The new market is a kind of new thing, but Susano do this like Chinese wall since the beginning of the century when Max Pfeffer died and David, that is now the, the chairman, assumed they did the separation that no one in family could do the executive work. So mm. he isn't the CEO and no one in the family can be the CEO. They only can be mm. in the board. Okay. So they have this really clear separation of the family that is more strategical. They, they live with the gains of the dividends and et cetera. So, but the executive decisions and routine are from different people. Now is from Walter Schalke, the CEO of the company, and he's doing a, a really good job, actually. He's uh, every year won a best CEO prize in Brazil. So they are doing this separation. In Brazil, we have much family, uh, family business. So we have to look each case where the family are too close or they're too far. We have to study. And Susana is one of the cases that despite the family are in the board and they have much, they have the most part of the shares. They are not involved that much in bad decisions and bad strategical decisions, like clubbing, for example. So I trust more in this governance. Mm, interesting. So is there anything else that we didn't cover maybe related to the business in general, products, markets, before I ask you a little bit about their financials and, and balance sheet. As I said, the Suzano and, and also Clabin are finishing their biggest mills, the construction. So for the next seven, eight years, they are not building something new. They can buy, they can take uh, new brands, but build new fabrics, new mills, they won't. So we have to take this on, on our minds. And, you know, when you finish your brand new building, your costs tend to be higher at the first because the revenues came after the beginning. So in this time, also Clabin, Susano, and Irani, that's other, the little sister of them, they have these high costs, high uh, historical saying costs, because they just finish their the projects. But with the time, they are reducing these costs. So when you say, oh my God, now the, the indicators of, of leverage are higher. Yeah, and that is normal and that is expected. So you, when you see this business, you have to take this in mind. And leverage is a business that is, that is naturally leveraged. Because as the cellulosis has one of the lowest volatility in Chicago, for example, and Chicago and China, the, the prices, the companies are really secure to take a lot of credit and to leverage. So... It's a business that the capex is really much higher than the others. So you also have need to, to have this on your mind. So the IRR tax, the IRR in return 
cannot be that high because they has few emotions. As I say, the stocks do not have this volatility. The price of what they sell uh, there has not this volatility. So the tax of return, in interest of return, are not that high. But as you said, this is a generational company. So you can hold them forever, but you do not have these surprises. But mm -hmm. these are companies that spend a lot in CapEx, for example. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask you about the debt, but you answered that question. <laughs> obviously related to build the largest mill in the world, right? You're going to put some debt on the balance sheet, most likely. But what do you think in terms of growth then? You mentioned that the mill that they built is bigger than they can even use. So there's plenty of excess capacity. So is growth going to ramp up? Or are they going to be constrained by how many trees they can get? What do you expect for growth? Yeah, we have to... This kind of difficult question because they can produce much more now, but mm. we need someone to buy. So as we see in the Chinese economy is kind of blurred recently, mm. right? We do not know if they are going high or down, up or down. So we have to take a little bit slow also because mm. they now has much more capacity. They can even make and decide their prices, even if they are selling a commodity, because they are really big. So they are bigger now. But as I said, we can expect the volume of the sellings can go up. But you depends on the Chinese economy, basically. They need to keep growing, keep increasing. And you have to also need the cost and the price of the commodity goes up. So you can make better revenues and you have now your costs are can be high for now, as I said, but they will be lower. So I think the best result in Susanna will come like one year or two. Now they are in this phase of settle in a new home, right? So right. now we have to take a look of the Chinese market and the pulp, the price of the pulp. And they have some triggers like paper in China, because if the economies and the income of the population of, of an economy goes up, they change their habits. So in the Orient, like China or Vietnam, these countries, the income are rising. So they're like once a new habits of hygiene. So paper. <laughs> Paper toilets is one of those items. So this is a trigger, but as I said, it walks more slowly than the others. So it's a company that you can easily do the analysis because they move slow, but they have such a big structure, makes them really reasonable to watch and to follow close. Yeah, I think what you said makes perfect sense in the context of their generational history, right? So they have this excess capacity, but they don't, really care if they grow into it in three years, four years, or five years, they're going to do it in a healthy way. And yeah. if it takes a little longer, they're okay. And they have this thing that can be game-changing. I also say that on my report, that the scientific team of Susano are really good. So they're trying to produce clothes uh, with pulp. 
what I can say, they bought many years ago a company called Spinova. They are mm-hmm. Finnish. So they invented a material that you can use pulp to do some clothes and you can sell it. So it cannot substitute the textile industry, but you can make the textile industry cheaper and uh, renewable. So mm-hmm. there's a big trigger and Suzano and Spinova are the first Suzano's operation abroad in Brazil. Uh, they are now in, I don't know where in Finland, ah, I, I know in Finland, Yakvaskila in Finland. And they will start up, they started up last year to produce this new material that you can mix with some fibers, some cottons, and etc. And do more resistant and cheaper and sustainable material. And also Adidas did a, a new collection with them. So again, it's a really brand new material, but this can be game changing because Suzano won't be only at the pulp and paper. There will be pulp, paper, and the textile industry. So we have to watch this closely too. I think it's so interesting how you emphasized the research and development that they do. Because when most people think of Brazilian companies or commodities companies, they don't think about innovation and research and development, right? But you've talked about how Suzano basically invented the process historically. Yeah. Right. They spend significant investments doing genetic modifications of the seeds, which is no small thing. And then they're making acquisitions in the to new innovative textile type businesses, which ah, it's so interesting to see because it's not what anyone would expect when you talk about a tree company, right? A pulp and paper company, but they are an innovative company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, Brazilian stuff, we have the biggest agribusiness in the world because of our technology and pulp and paper and grains and sugar cane. We, we're now using, and with the 4.0 industry, we are really, really far. So we have this automatization. We have this grid on the farms. We have this connection. We have the Elon Musk satellites yeah, <laughs> giving internet to everyone. So it's yeah, really, it, really it's so interesting too. You can find interesting little stuff like that in Brazil too, where the agro industry and innovation, like the flex fuel cars. Is yeah. where the cars run ethanol. Brazil's got the biggest fleet in the world, and, and that's another interesting agro type tech innovation. But let's wrap up, Susano. Then I know you did as part of your your research piece projected. You have a price target. Do you want to share maybe whether you think Susano right now is undervalued, fairly valued, overvalued, and, and what do you expect moving forward? Let me see the most recent prices because now now talking a little more analytic way when we calculate our debut acc we do each tax discount rate to each year we project so mm. if i'm projecting so pro- i see so you're projecting the interest rates in brazil so you won't use the same cost of capital in next year if you yeah. think rates are going to be at eight percent yeah so we do a projection with each uh, discount rate uh, different for different years. So, I mean, if Susano, we, I project eight years, so I have eight different discount, discount rates. So, I mean, if our discount rates, basically the KE, 
the own cost of the company. We follow the Brazilian rates, the inflation and the futures. So each day we have a brand new price. <laughs> so when I talk about the target price, it can change every day. So we do a weekly update on the prices. So let me see. Now the last prices is just see today's prices. Today is 51 and 47 reais. And my price is 67 reais. So it's kind of 30% upside. So it's an interesting upside. As I said, it's a company that you, if you follow strictly the buy and hold philosophy <laughs> and buy and forget, you can do it on Suzano and most in this, the company of the sector, the biggest ones, of course, because they are really secure and they really gives you peace on your mind because they are doing a great job. Great. So... I don't think we're going to have time to do Minerva, which I know we're not. So <laughs> that I was think great. We, we have I, to. The, I, we'll have we, to do another we need to one. Do the, yeah, the part two. We'll, we'll do the beef industry. Yeah, because I could still ask yeah. you another 20 questions about Susano and Brazil's pulp and paper. But yeah. I think I think that was a great you know, deep dive into the industry and, and Susano. And yeah, anyone that's interested in the company certainly is going to learn something from okay. this. So. So maybe to, to sign off, tell everyone you know where they can find you, learn more about your work, Varus, how to get in touch on the internet. Okay, you can follow me at Twitter at Gabi Boente, B-O-E-N-T-E. <laughs> we are arguing about how we pronounce it in English. So <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Varus, also Varus, V-A-R-O-S, Varus on Twitter. And if you follow me and you say that you watch us, uh, you you found me uh, through this podcast, you just DM me and I can give you the Susano report that is really nice. It has 64 pages and I give it for free because, I mean, we did a such great job on this report. All of us report. And with the artificial intelligence, I could translate. <laughs> so I have this in English right now. It's really beautiful. <laughs> Finally, so, someone admitting they're using yeah. the AI to translate stuff, right? Yeah, so you can ask me. <laughs> I can't you tell can you how many, how many Latin American analysts I've noticed their English has improved by like 10x yeah. in the last six months when they write. It's great. But <laughs> I can confirm the research report is great. I will link your profile and all the information so people get in touch with you in the show notes. And yeah, yep. we'll do this again. And next time we'll do the beef industry. Okay. Thank you, Patrick. Nice uh, meeting you. Thank Thanks everyone. so much for doing this. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>